0: I gotta, I gotta see what this is all about. I mean, we're like only like weeks open. It's like, this place is pristine. And I walk in doing my shopping stuff, and I'm by myself. Like, my nephew was there in the building, but I wasn't really shopping with him. And I get up to the front, to the register, and the gal goes, Hey, are you Rod's? Are you Rod's kid? <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, so Rod is my dad. It's like, yeah, you are you Rod's son, and I'm thinking this is a little weird because it didn't, it wasn't followed up with a, oh I'm so and so or anything like that. It was just like, I know who you are, kind of a thing is how it came across to me, and I'm like, I didn't know where this was going or anything, and it was like a totally one sided conversation. So you Rod's son, huh? Yeah. Did everybody make it home for Christmas? Yep. Yeah, I heard you were all coming. I'm like, I don't know where this lady's getting her information, but she knows an awful lot, she knew, like, where everybody was coming from, who was coming last, and I'm like, this is, like, small town, everybody knows everyone's business, um, but, and I don't know if it had to do with me, if I'm looking like my dad, I was trying to find a picture, I, I once dressed up as my dad, my dad works for Black Hills Energy, which, me back in the day, was K& Energy, I had one of his old cool shirts, and, uh, I put that on, with the jeans, I, I had, like, two phones on my hips, you know, the, Pliers, the flashlight in my mouth, looking in the oven, trying to fix it or something like that. Recreated this whole photo just for my dad, um, and this was before the Facebook days, I guess. So um, it never got shared, so it's lost. But um, uh, <laughs> I think it's, maybe it's it's funny as I get older, I notice uh, more words that come out of my mouth that sound like my dad. Um, more people that would recognize me back at home or whatever as they know my dad, um, there's all these similarities that every year, and maybe I'm not as excited by it, but um, I, there's a lot of similarities that, that I've picked up, um, maybe this family resemblance, and even my sisters, my, my mom has been confused for one of my sisters, uh, it's like all of my sisters look very similar, but there's a lot of family resemblance, and I think it's something that we're going to look at a little bit today in First John, that, there probably ought to be some family resemblance when we look at us as, as the church, that we ought to begin to look alike um, in a few ways. So we've kind of been looking at a couple of themes as, as we walk through 1 John, and there's kind of three big themes that seem to cycle through, and, and John kind of, he's not consistent about going through them in order, uh, but it's just, we're kind of always cycling back through these of right living, right teaching, and right love. Those truths kind of get repeated the whole time about uh, our right living and right teaching has been kind of what we've really focused on through this first half is knowing what's true and, and how, how do we differentiate that from the other things that we hear around us but knowing truly what, what God's word said is true and then how do I live my life differently because of those truths and today really is a little bit of a turning point where it's going to begin to look more toward how do, how do I have this right kind of love, how do I live out my life showing love to people as an example of Christ. So that's kind of where we're headed today. So we're going to be looking at 1 John. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your Bible app, whatever you may have with you, would love if you turned it to 1 John, where we're going to begin right at the end of chapter 2, and we're going to go into, into chapter 3, um, as we kind of look at this idea of being a child of God, that family resemblance. So before we kind of dive into that, I want to begin with prayer. God, I thank you that we can open your word today, from it, and I thank you for the time that we get to spend in it. God, help us today to to look at who we are in you, and how we can live our lives in a way that resembles you, so that others around us would know who you are by seen decisions. God, we love you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're going to look at this 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 theme of being a child of God, and I think some of this maybe couldn't shake this idea of identity, which tends to be a bit of a buzzword today that we talk about identity a lot, Um, but really we're going to be asking some questions that I think we can't shy away from that idea of of our own identity, because we're going to ask three questions that are, I think, hard but necessary questions for us to, to go through, and I think they're probably ones that maybe you've already wrestled with at some point during your life, but the questions are, who are we, who shall we become, and who should we? We're going to kind of look at those and hopefully answer those along the way. But as we look at this idea of identity, who are we? I think maybe this has become a bit of a buzzword because of different things in our social settings, gender identity. There's all these things about identity. Maybe we identify ourselves with different things so that we can fit in. But I think we have to look honestly at what what God says about us as our identity, because we can put so much pressure. We, I think we we ask a lot of our graduates as we're already. If you're a senior, you already see graduation on the horizon. Like, you know it's coming, and everyone's going to ask you these questions. Well, like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Like, surely you have that all figured out, right? You know the career path you're going down, and this could be high school or college. Because if you're walking out of college, and it's like everybody's going, well, now you have the degree. Now you have to know everything you're going to do in life, right? No, it's not true. If, if you're if you're scared and staring at that probably don't have it figured out you have other adults that are still like i don't know what i'm gonna do with the rest of my life um but we're looking at this idea of identity i think a lot of times we can kind of equate career with identity that whatever my career is that's who that's who i am that is my identity but i think that leads to one of the largest identity crisis is not not with graduating students like one of the largest identity crisis is when people retire like you go through a, a, a huge shift in your life where like, my, your identity probably has been wrapped up in your career. So who are you now when you don't have that job? Right. My dad works for a natural gas company, Black Hills. That's what he's done for majority of his life. And he's looking at retirement this upcoming year, and I can see this like, going, what do I do then? Every day, I've, I've had the same routine. I do the same things over and over and over. Now, what do I do with my life? Who am I? I think we can get so wrapped up in that, but like what happens, you know, when we don't have that job, whether that be retirement, what if I get laid off, what if, there's all these other questions that that it may not be so easy to face that, but I think we have to, we have to be able to face those questions. I think it can also be a part of being a parent. What happens when all your kids move out and you're, you're empty nesters, you've been waiting for this moment, but then it's like, I don't have anybody to wake up in the morning. I have nobody to go get out there or you're late for school, right? Like we start to look at that, but my identity has been wrapped up in being that parent. And those are, those are good things, but, but what happens when I've let my identity be fully wrapped up in those things? Psychology today tells us that our identity contains multiple roles. It can be mother, teacher, U.S. citizen. But all of those roles, it says, holds meaning and expectations that they then internalize into your identity so that your identity then they say continues to evolve over the course of an individual's life so based on the, whatever roles you hold you internalize what those roles include and that becomes your identity i read that and i thought i disagree i disagree and i think john disagrees because I think those meanings and expectations are a part of our lives, and I don't know that we're supposed to internalize them, allow those, those things that we do to shift who we are. Because I think when we look at this, it's like all of a sudden my job, my career, my hobbies, the sports I play, the life stage that I'm in, those are all molding my identity. I think we need to have something that has much deeper significance than that. A deeper identity than just the things that I do. So rather than allow the things that I do to mold and shape my identity, I think I need to allow my identity to mold and shape the things I do. To like change the way that I'm father, to change the way that I, I do different things, that, that my identity, the, the core of who I am, shapes the things that I'm doing. I live my life differently because of those things. So I think as we answer these questions today, uh, of who we are, who shall we be, and who should we be to a better point of who are we as an identity or as our identity so we're going to look first john chapter 2 last we'll two verses 28 and then we're going to go in chapter 3 as well so john says so now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not to sh- shrink back from him in, in the shame of his coming if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So John really begins this part by addressing who are we. He says little children, and he's not just talking down to us that we're we're young or we don't know enough yet, but it's this idea that we are children of God. We we sang that earlier, that, that I'm a child of God the idea is that we are a son or daughter. This, this is actually like a legal adoption kind of thing. This is a, a legal position that we hold adopted into the family. So that when we are adopted into his family, that means that we are heirs to his kingdom, heirs to his throne. My kids have that amazing privilege as well to be heirs to my kingdom. Right? Yeah. You laugh, you know, just as well as I do. Right? So yeah, the mortgage, all those things, you are heirs to it all. Right? Um, whatever junk I have crammed in my garage, you are an heir to all of it. Um, They take on the riches of my kingdom. But we also get the same for God, that we get the riches of his kingdom when we are brought in as a child of God. So when we understand what those riches are, what that that identity as a child of God looks like, uh, he refers to him as our father. I think he purposely says it that way, that, that this is not just like, sort of cold legal action where you are now a partner in this, but that he's our father, that, that we are now in this relationship with him and that it's meant to be a, a family, a loving family that we're brought into. So when we think about this this loving father, this is the, look what he, the love that he has lavished on us. Each week we, we look to the cross, we, we take communion each and every week and it's a reminder of this amazing love that God has for us. That, that he would send Jesus to come to earth and live a perfect life, but yet he suffered an awful, painful death on the cross to pay my price, to pay your price. And when we look at this amazing, gracious gift of love brought to us in the Son of God, I think it helps us to understand the love this Father has for us. And this this love, it, it honestly, kind of doesn't make sense because I look at it and I go, I'm so undeserving of this love. There's no reason that that my father should want to to give this type of love to me. But it's interesting, as I'm reading through this, it says, look at what kind of love the father has given to us. The the Greek word, which I'm going to butcher probably, is potapan. And and this word potapan had this idea that in, in their time of trading, as this was written, it was all by ships, right? Everything was brought in by ship, and when there was a ship coming in, that they saw on the horizon there was something new coming in they'd get really excited about this this new thing that's coming but as they would see it and they go i don't i don't recognize it. I, I don't i don't know what ship this is they would use this word potipan and it meant from what country from what country is this coming from what's the place of the origin like it, it seems like this is probably some type of foreign ship that i don't understand and so when we look at this and it says what kind of love the Father has given us. I think to our world around us, they could have this same type of questioning of pot to pan, like, what kind is this? Because I don't understand this love. This this is a a foreign concept for us, to to look at this kind of love that that sacrifices for me when I'm undeserving. It doesn't make sense to the world around us, but, but this is the kind of love that we step into. A love that for the rest of our lives, we recipient of his love so I think it, especially to the world around us as we talk about this right teaching uh, of, of, we need to understand what is true that God teaches us but then our right living we need to live out this right kind of love to those around us that they understand this maybe foreign kind of concept of love shows our identity as a child of god but this isn't an end that you just go man i made it i've arrived at this child of god status now i can just kind of push on and i and i have really nothing else to do what what do i do now that i've received this to be an heir of christ i think it leads us to our second question of who shall we become i think we're to be conformed into this image of christ you know we can surrender our lives become a child of god but I think there's still still so much more to come. That God is not done with us yet. That God wants his children, he wants them to, to desire him, but also to look like him. Like that family resemblance that I see from me and my dad, I think he wants to see that in us. He wants us to be looking like him, conformed to the image of Christ. So we'll keep reading in verse two. It says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. So, what we will be has not yet appeared. There, there's still there's still more ahead of us. So, this this kind of is one of those already but not yet moments that we are already a child of God, but yet not yet completely perfect. So this does say that we are to become like him in his image. This does not mean that we all of a sudden become gods of our own. Um, but this is to say that we will be like Christ, but not equal to Christ, but we will become like him. We will have qualities that are like Christ. So when he returns for us or we go to join him in heaven someday, we'll be given these heavenly bodies, which we can look forward to, right? Not my, not my aching knees or my ankles that Every time I walk through the foyer, I'm sure Sue gets tired of me cracking through the, the hallways of my ankles popping everywhere I go. Like all of these aches and pains that we have will someday be gone as we become like Jesus, even in our heavenly bodies. But not just physical, but also spiritual. Our mind, our hearts, everything are going to be more like Jesus. So that, that we kind of learn to be like him and that he's going to perfect that. So Philippians one. 1 6 says I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ so I think this carries this idea that, that what's happening in us now this being a child of God and being formed conformed to who he is as someday that's completed that it's made final it's fully there and that day is going to happen when Jesus comes back for us or we go to heaven this transformation though begins now and then it's made complete at the day of Jesus Christ comes so what does this mean that we're to do today like what do we do today because we can look at my day of surrender where I become a child of God and the day that I get to be with him again but there's this span in between that we go but there's a lot of time to fill in between here. so I think there's this, this third question that we're going to start looking at that how can we be transformed to be like him who should we be Who who are we going to be? I think we are called to be people who live pure lives. And this last section is probably a long section, but it's a section that helps us to see who we can be until this time comes. You know, maybe this is something, uh, as kids, we have babies that are born, and and as we look at these babies, maybe this is a bad way to say it, I think we put these babies under a lot of scrutiny, right? Right? babies are born and, and some of the first things we look at them and you're like oh like can who and all but everybody behind the scenes we, we all know this is true you're going who do they look like like is it they look more like mom they look more like dad we want to we want to see the resemblance between them. we want to be able to say well they have my eyes or they have your nose or they have like we want to see the resemblance between them and so we can like sit here scrutinize sometimes they rub their head bald you know and then all of a sudden it's like well they maybe look more like grandpa um think we're looking for that. We want to see some sort of family resemblance in our kids. And I think as we look to how are we, who should we be, as we look to live pure lives, I think we have to look at how how are we to to get to this point? How are we to look more like him? And that's what we're gonna be looking at in these last verses, four through ten. It says everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sin. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So by this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. I think there's a lot in that, but there's a couple things that I think we really want to dive down into and focus on is this idea of lawlessness. This idea of lawlessness. It talks that lawlessness is sin, and I think it's it's important that we understand that this lawlessness that they're talking about is a habitual repetition of sin. It's it's a continuing to go back to it. It's it's a practicing, and I, and I think it can be driven by a few different things that. It can be our own selfish desires that we just keep, we don't want to give it up to God. We we want to hold on to that because that's that's what I enjoy. But it can also be just as much that we are maybe coerced by a deceiver, a manipulator that convinces us that there are better alternatives in life, that we don't have to give up everything. And I think that's a little bit what we looked at last week. As Rob talked about our antichrist, the things that, that go against God that that make us maybe deny who Jesus is, that he is the, the Messiah, the long awaited one that we need to look to and follow. But if we look if we choose to follow Jesus that means we have to push away those things we talked about back in chapter 2 that, that we can fall into the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes or the pride of life when we continue to, to look back to those things over and over and over we're practicing lawlessness. And I noticed that was the other word that continued to be used over and over and over was practice. That verses 4 talked about us practicing. Verse 6 says that we keep on. 7, 8, and 9 all said that we practice. That we are either practicing lawlessness or we are practicing righteousness. This is something that we are going to hold fast to, that we are going to to go back to over and over and over because practice makes perfect. So as we practice, We can practice the things that are good. We can practice the things that are bad and sinful. That we can fall into that lawlessness. So I think as a child of God, we are called to practice continually what this right living is meant to look like. This right loving that comes out of that right living is meant to look like. There was a story that, that I read about this week about this teenage girl that was out with friends and They were out having fun, but then there was a moment when some of the friends said that they were going to make some plans to go other places and do other things that she knew was probably not right. So she paused for just a moment, and she only hesitated for just a moment, and she asked just to be taken home because she wasn't going to go to that place and do those things. And all of a sudden, there was a boy that speaks up and just says, why don't you want to go with us? Are you afraid that your dad's going to hurt you? And her response was, no. I'm afraid that if I go, I would hurt my father. And I think maybe that's the idea As we looked at what, what are we practicing? What are the things that we continue to put ourselves into? Is that we don't live our lives in fear that, that God is going to somehow just really come home, like we're going to come home and he's going to punish us or he's gonna hurt us. We don't live a life in fear of of a hurtful and abusive father. But we live our lives out of such love that I would hate to return to my father and him find out about the things that I do. I want to show in all the things that I do that I have a loving father and I want to please him because he is good. So it kind of brings us to the last point of it here in verse ten to some very practical ways that we can live out this family resemblance as a child of God. That what we're supposed to look like, some, to identify some ways that we should pull out some of these similarities of who we are. And I think those two things that they point out here is that we're gonna be, we're gonna be practicing something. We're gonna be practicing righteousness or we cannot practice righteousness. You can do either way. You can be practicing to live a righteous life, doing what is right, or you can practice to not do what's right. You can practice lawlessness. Or you can practice to love your brother or don't. Those are the two things that he points out clearly that we ought to be working in, to, to have this right living within us. So when we love Jesus, we have a desire to be conformed to be to, into his, his image, to, to look like him, to be pure and holy as he is, to be a child of God should be our goal and our aim. We also need to know that on our own, just on my own willpower, it's impossible to look like him. I can't clean myself up enough to look like Jesus. And if you're waiting for that moment to turn to him going, I got to get my life right. I got to clean myself up enough before I'm acceptable into his presence. um, That day is never going to come that you clean yourself up. It's only through the blood of Jesus are seen as pure and holy, covered in Him. So I encourage you to allow God to clean you up. And the rest of this, we have the rest of our lives to work at looking like Him a little bit more every day. To live like Him, love like Him. But we're given this option at the end of it all. Do we want our identity to be rooted in Him? Are we really going to try our best and love like Jesus? Are we going to practice righteousness or lawlessness? But I think after we practice this long enough, after we've really been trying over and over and over, I think sin no longer becomes the rule of our lives, but instead it becomes the exception. That it's not the thing that we continue to turn back to, but it's it's only occasionally that we fall into sin. It's not a practice of sin. So as the band ready to come back up I think we grow our lives submitted to God we grow in, in God as we learn about his truths of who he is we let those affect our hearts so that we want to live differently and love differently I think we notice that we'll look a little more like our Heavenly Father every day and it's, it's, it's an exciting thing to me when we, when we are internalizing this so much that, that my identity is rooted in, in Christ that I am a child of God that maybe even that family resemblance is caught before I say anything. Like walking into Dollar General and people knowing that I must be Rod's son. Even more so, I hope that as people see me they see the way that I live, they would look at me and go, "You must be a child of God. Because I resemble him so much that I can talk like Jesus, I can love like Jesus, and live like Jesus. Because his words have affected my life in such a way that I live like So it's because of this moment that we surrender our lives that we become a child of God. And there's still so many ways to grow to be pure and holy as he is holy and someday that will be brought to perfection as a child of God when we get to join him in heaven. But until that day, let me encourage you to practice righteousness.